join me in the call to worship. The earth has its kings, but God is ruler of all. The mountains may tremble, the oceans may roar, but God's presence is more powerful than the earth itself. Let us worship God. God's love is from everlasting to everlasting. 
No matter how many times we fail or fall, God is filled with compassion when we open our hearts through prayer to receive healing from God. Let us join our voices in the prayer of confession in our bulletins. Jesus told us to love God with all our heart. But we often love our jobs, our homes, and our possessions more than we love God. Jesus told us to love God with all our soul. But we Jesus told us to love God with our all, all our mind. But, but we seldom study the Bible as much as we study our Jesus told us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. But, but we spend hours meeting our wants and needs and in inspiring excuses for God to care of others. Forgive us, Holy One. Help us to We pray in Jesus' name, amen. God is vast and yet close to us. God receives our prayers, spoken and unspoken. Friends, believe the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. As we prepare our hearts to share a sign of Christ's peace this morning, I invite those of you who are worshiping with us online to take this opportunity to sign in with the digital pew pad by using the QR code on your screen or clicking the link under the video. And here in the sanctuary, we invite you to greet those around you with a nod or a handshake, a bow or a wave, and sharing in this way a sign of Christ's peace. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And also with you. Let us share that peace. Well, good morning and welcome to worship here at Fourth Presbyterian Church. Our theme during this stewardship season is home. And truly, we strive to make this church a community, a family, a home, a place to gather that feels like home to all who enter here. Receiving the deep and abiding love of Jesus, we seek to share that love with one another and to express that with warmth and interest in all those whom we meet. You all are the first welcomers in this church, so please remember to welcome one another with love and grace. For those of you in the sanctuary, I invite you at this time to find the pew pads that you'll find at the edge of each of your rows and pass them to your neighbors so that we can know that you're here and receive any updates on your contact information. 
Everyone is invited to participate in the life of this congregation, and you can find lots of opportunities in the second half of your bulletin, which is filled with invitations. I encourage you to take a few minutes to glance through those where you will discover a range of opportunities from after-school tutoring to fellowship programs to a Michigan Avenue forum coming up on the topic of understanding anti-Semitism. You can also engage in the future of our church by attending a long-range planning task force town hall gathering this afternoon at 12 noon in Borwell Dining Room and there will be more opportunities to engage with the Long Range Planning Task Force in November as well, so check your bulletin for that. As we look toward our future, we have a special invitation to you all to join us next Sunday. It is Commitment Sunday when we bring forward our 2024 pledges to the mission and ministry of this congregation. And it is also Reformation Sunday when we celebrate the ways in which our heritage shapes who we are and who we are becoming. And not only that, it is the week when we welcome the Reverend Tom R. Jr. and his wife, Carol, as Tom joins us as our interim pastor. Tom will be preaching at both services in the morning next week, and we look forward to this season of sharing ministry with him. As you look through the invitation section of your bulletin, we hope you'll say yes to some of the many invitations that you'll find there. If you'd like to pray with a deacon today, after worship, they will be available for personal prayer in the stone chapel through the doors to your right. And of course, you are warmly invited to coffee hour through the doors to your left after worship. There will be many people there in Anderson Hall to greet you and discuss the opportunities for involvement at the church. And I have heard we have some great Halloween cookies today. So please join us for coffee hour. Once again, welcome to Fourth Church and let us continue in our worship.
Let us pray. God of mercy, you promised never to break your covenant with us. Amid all the changing words of our generation, speak your eternal word that does not change. Enable us to respond to your gracious promises with faithful, obedient lives. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. amen. Our Psalter reading this morning is from Psalm 96. Listen now for God's word to us. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless the name of the Lord. Proclaim God's salvation from day to day. Declare God's glory among the nations and God's wonder among all peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, more to be feared than all gods. As for all the gods of the nations, they are but idols. But you, O Lord, have made the heavens. Majesty and magnificence are in your presence. Power and splendor are in your sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, you families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord honor and power. Ascribe to the Lord the honor due the holy name. Bring offerings and enter the courts of the Lord. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before the Lord, all the earth. Tell it out among the nations. The Lord is king. The one who made the world so firm that it cannot be moved will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea thunder and all that is in it. Let the field be joyful and all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood shout for joy at your coming, O Lord, for you come to judge the earth. You will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with your truth. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson this morning comes to us from Matthew's Gospel. It's from the 22nd chapter, beginning with the 15th verse. Listen now for God's word to God's people. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap Jesus in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, 
We know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then they said to him, and he said to them, whose head is this and whose title? They answered, Caesar's. Then he said to them, give therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. Holy wisdom, holy word, thanks be to God. Samantha Wall, say her name. Wadea Al-Fayume, say his name. May God have mercy upon us. They did their best to nail him that day. The Pharisees, tell us, Jesus, are, are you a yes man? Do you believe to be true what the inscription on the denarius states? Tiberius Caesar, son of the divine Augustus, Pontifus Maximus. Is there no God but Caesar? Does it accord with Torah to pay taxes to Caesar, even as the land on which we stand belongs to the Lord? Does ensuring the prosperity of our occupiers mean more to you than righteousness in the Lord? Would you instruct your followers to pledge allegiance to their oppressor? Do you not see the calloused hands, stooped backs, thickened scars, threadbare clothes, worn sandals of those who toil from sunup to sundown to satisfy the census tax? to reap the harvests that they cannot keep in order to fill their own empty bellies. These people, the ones who swarm you like bees to honey every time you open your mouth to expound on the scriptures, the ones whom you have healed from afflictions, afflictions no doubt exacerbated by the plight of our occupation, the ones who hear your so-called parables and see themselves in your stories, would you tell these people that their suffering is just in the eyes of God, of the God of our ancestors? Is your piety a performance and tradition your costume? Tell us, Jesus. Tell everyone. Are you a fraud? The Herodians, tell us, Jesus, 
Are you a face of the resistance? Do you deny the divinity of Tiberius? Do you renounce the jurisdiction of empire? Does your obedience to the Torah cause you to violate the peace of Rome? And would you lead these people into rebellion against the state? Would you seek to disrupt the delicate peace under which we reside in the vain, misguided attempt to subvert the census, as did Judas the Galilean not so long ago? Would you threaten the safety of the people to satisfy your own vanity, to feed your own delusions of grandeur? Tell us, Jesus, are you a reckless, rabid radical? They did their best to nail Jesus that day with the tools of empire. They're adhesive a common adversary. In the one camp, the Pharisees, the religious establishment, the reluctant accomplices to Roman authority, so long as the empire did not overreach its long arm into the realm of Jewish religious observance and strictures, they were the one half of the they. There's always a they. With the Herodians, the other half, a secular poli political party that supported the successive rule of Palestine by Roman-appointed authorities. Ordinarily, enemies by nature, unified by the maxim that the enemy of the enemy is my friend. The toolbox, a patronizing appeal to vanity, specifically to sincerity, intelligence, truth, confidence, and impartiality. The establishment imagines that Jesus is beholden to brand management, if you will, as they are. The prelude to entrapment is often flattery, it can get you somewhere. In fact, it was the tactic used by the tempter in the wilderness with Jesus. If you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Throw yourself over this cliff. Bow down and worship me. If the toolbox is an appeal to vanity, then the nail is a pointed question. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Their statuses as sources of earthly authority led them to attempt a damning reach into what they presumed was Jesus' source of charismatic power. Under whose authority would Jesus seat himself when pressed? to Rome, or to the temple priests. Together, these adversaries thought long and hard, no doubt, about how to entrap Jesus, how to make Jesus slip up and expose himself as either a scammer 
or a seditionist. They imagined the implications of their question to be huge. They convinced themselves that what was at stake was monumental, perhaps even of cosmic proportions. They did their best to nail Jesus on that day, but Jesus snatched the hammer from their grasp. Show me the coin. He shrunk their grandiosity down to the size of a coin. The stakes were small. Their concerns weren't really rooted in the law or civic obligation or the Pax Romana or the well-being of the people. These patchworked partners in power were ruled by the coin. And these hypocrites were able to produce with ease the icon-bearing token from their own pockets, while Jesus stood before them, presumably with his pockets empty. Whose head and whose title? Caesar's. The vanity is Caesar's, not God's. In God's economy, we are the coin. We bear the image of God. Since Tertullian faithful theologians have championed this takeaway from the text, too often, the complex relationships among political, theological, and humanitarian interests render people as pawns within larger systems. It's what undergirds the interrogation by the Pharisees and the Herodians in the temple, that Jesus somehow be made to lose face in front of the people by cornering him into making a knee-jerk, black-and-white, zero-sum response to a gotcha question, as if the earthly powers hadn't already set the conditions for a gotcha scenario ensnaring both Jesus and the public in the first place. Jesus consecrated gave his life, death, and resurrection to giving to God what is God's. In contrast to holding people in bondage to the whims of empire. Too many of us face exploitation as pawns within larger systems to this day. And we groan under the weight of it. Creation winces and moans under corrosion and corruption. We are monetized, manipulated by algorithms, and set against one another, even alienated from our own selves. We are faced with choices that often seem impossible, and we look to texts like this one as some sort of definitive guidance on when to conform or when to bend, for who to value or to dismiss, for what to cherish and what to disregard. Jesus responds by reminding us of whose image we bear 
and what we are worth. He reminds us that he is the craftsman whose kingdom tools are more complex and rich than anything that we could fashion. When I think of Jesus before the powers that had been, I'm reminded of these words by the late poet, scholar, and activist Audre Lorde, who said, for the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. They may allow us to temporarily beat him at his own game, but they will never enable us to bring about genuine change. I urge each one of us here to reach down into the deep place of knowledge inside herself and touch that terror and loathing of any difference that lives here. See whose face it wears. Then the personal as political can begin to illuminate all our choices. What bears the face of love is worth preserving, and what bears the face of antipathy demands undoing. Jesus calls us to look at the face of things, the personal, the political, the spiritual, which was Jesus in this encounter? Politician, a prophet, or a priest? All of the above, and none of the above. He stood both in relation to and outside of earthly power while towering above in the realms of the infinitely divine. Yet he testified to one truth, as he summarized later in his encounter with a lawyer, which is recounted in Matthew 22, beginning with verse 37, where he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. When, and it's when, not if, but when we find ourselves having to make choices between rocks and hard places, when we are cornered into hammering complex issues into simple solutions, May we start by seeking the face of God in the human dignity of the other. May we spend our lives as God-bearers in service of true value. Amen.
let us remain standing as we affirm together our faith using these words of the brief statement of faith. We trust in God, the Holy Spirit, everywhere the giver and renewer of life. The Spirit justifies us by grace through faith, sets us free to accept ourselves and to love God and neighbor, and binds us together with all believers in one body, Christ the Church. The same Spirit who inspired the prophets and apostles rules our faith and life in Christ through Scripture, engages us through the word proclaimed, leads us in the waters of baptism, feeds us with the bread of life and the cup of salvation, and calls women and men to all ministries of the Church. Amen. Please be seated. And let us join our hearts in prayer. We come to you this day, O oh God, with so much that resides in our lives. In this season of autumn, with magnificent color bursting forth from trees and scrub, shrubs and mums and foliage, we are reminded of the seasons of our own lives. The lively spring with buds bursting, the air lifting our spirits, the new life awakening through Easter's dawning, this seems like just yesterday, and yet it seems long past. And we realize that we are a people of promise in the spring of life. And summer's quick and generous lingering, O oh God, warm days, star-spangled nights, glowing sunrises, sensational sunsets. It went too fast as we basked in the ease and connection with family, friends, lovers, loved ones. And we do not want to hurry to winter, O oh God, the barren landscape, the silhouetted branches, the radiant glory of night skies, the season of waiting and watching. But today, O oh Christ, is autumn. And we are so grateful for this day. We're so grateful for this season in our lives with brilliant hope, awakening brilliance. And we give you thanks, O oh God, for this season in the life of this congregation. We live through the generosity of seasons, O oh God, also realizing that there are seasons in our life together on this planet when we grow anxious, we worry, we feel so out of control, and it makes no sense, O oh God, that so many of our kin across this vast planet must suffer. We pray with all our might and with your mighty promise, O oh Christ, that you will be with us to the very close of this age. We pray for those who are in situations of terror from horrific violence. We pray for Israeli and Palestinian siblings who live in harm's way this day. We pray for the innocent ones in Gaza, for children, parents, grannies, and grandpas. Hold them close to your heart, O oh God, and prick our conscience this day, O oh God, that we will never forget the daily struggle that holds so many in risk. And we will continue to be a people of prayer and of deep 
action. In this season, we dare to imagine also closer to home our new life in this congregation, this city, the reach of your loving spirit to many in this congregation who are scattered across the nation and the globe. Give us hearts alive with joy, unified by your giant vision of springs of living water, summers of gentle engagement, blaving and life-giving autumn and winter when we huddle close and give thanks for your blessings made known in the gift of your Son, Jesus. Make us glow as glistening trees in the low light of autumn. Give us courage to live out the full glory that you have planted in us individually and collectively. And may our witness be mighty, never diminished by fear or failure, but undergirded by the power of nothing other than your holiest spirit of life, O God. For it is in the power and presence of the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, that we join together praying the prayer that he taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Today, as each Sunday, we respond to the word of God read and preached and prayed and proclaimed by the act of giving our stewardship. We give because we have received so much. We give because we know that we are better together in our giving. And I give because God's grace has showered me with blessings beyond belief. When we give, we join generations of Presbyterian Christians on whose shoulders we stand. And so today, give with deep and breathless gratitude. Let us now receive our morning offering.
Let us join together in praying the prayer of dedication. Gracious God, may these gifts given from our lives bring to life your realm among us. We bring these gifts to you in joy and generosity as they contribute to your love made known. Bless them, O God, so that they may be used to your glory. Amen.
beloved. What bears the face of love is worth preserving, and what bears the face of antipathy demands undoing. With all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, love the Lord your God. And go out into this world and love your neighbor as yourself. In the name and for the sake of all that is holy, triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one, may we, as God's children say, Amen.